This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Shocking, Lorid, Tawdry, A History of American Scandal. I'm your host, Casey Howe. And I'm your other host, Mark Pikert. And welcome to another episode, listeners. Today, you are in for a treat because Mark has a scandal, 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 a beautiful Hollywood scandal, or maybe not so beautiful. (laughs) It is a beautiful scandal, but it's not Hollywood. Ooh, a twist. It's shocking. So this is the most shocking part of it. It's actually not. Uh, you're about to have your minds blown. Ooh, I'm so excited. Uh, so I'm so excited. I discovered this scandal. Oh, do we need, do we have oh. chit-chat? Well, you know what's funny is right before we um, started recording this, I walked into the kitchen. I'm currently staying, um, not we won't be currently uh, when this airs, but um, I did rent a house in Saratoga. So I have like neighbors and I'm a nosy person. So I'm always like, who's my neighbor? Um, cause I'm from New York city and neighbors really matter. So, um, so there's this house and clearly everything is rented. Like you can just tell because people are moving in and out and like the weekend's over. So another group comes in. And so I'm realizing that the house next to me is rented. When I first came here, I thought it was abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> like the paint is to, like, that's, they just, somebody just came over the other day and like, they're trying to repaint it, but apparently people just don't care. If I tried to rent this thing on Airbnb, I would be like, mm, or I can get murdered there. Like, no. So not the house I'm in just for the record. It's delightful here. Um, but so the house, I literally thought it was abandoned. And then like people just started coming and I was like, that's strange. And first it was a group of like maybe five dudes. And I was like, okay, they probably don't care. And then the, um, and this next group, it's like, it's like three different families. I'm like, how many people are in this house? It's the strangest thing. It's the strangest thing. I was like, I think I just saw like eight people. Like how many bedrooms are in this? And like, it's a two story house in the country. So like, yeah, there might be a lot of bedrooms, but there's like, there's like four kids, like four adults. I'm like, where is everyone sleeping? Too many. Yeah, no. Anyway, that's my tidbit. That's, I'm going to keep an eye on them. That's it's very strange. Upstate New York is like that. I've grown mm-hmm. up and spent time in the creepiest parts of this country. I grew up five minutes away from the Texas killing fields. Let's be clear. <laughs> and I've never felt as creeped out as I do every time I'm driving in upstate New York at night because I don't know what's looking at me through those cat skills. No, no, there is something eerie about this place. And I remember an ex-boyfriend of mine and I got an Airbnb in... One of those old abandoned spa towns. Mm. And we show up and the proprietor of the Airbnb is shirtless in his yard 
which mm-hmm. he's having a garage sale allegedly, but it's really just, it looks like there's just junk piled up in the mm-hmm. yard that he's perhaps mm-hmm. affixed a price tag or two to. That checks out. That sounds and great. so we, we get into our room and it's not air conditioned and it's August and it's just really hot. And we're like, I don't really know. He's kind of weird. And so we're walking out and we're just going to go get something to eat, get a drink and figure out what we're doing. And we have not brought our bags in, nor have we handed over a credit card. Like there's nothing to right. tie us to this place, mm-hmm. which is also terrifying because we could be murdered. <laughs> so we're heading out and the guy is like, where are you going? And we said, oh, we're just going to go to the, the gas station and get some sodas and maybe some chips or something. And he said, oh, well, I have plenty of food here. You don't have to go anywhere. <gasps> and, oh, well, you know, we have our dog with us and she has a very special diet. Well, I recently had a doctor staying with me and she left some organic sausage in the freezer. I would be happy to defrost that for your little pup. Oh my God, that makes it sound like she's the sausage. She's the sausage. Yes, <laughs> yes, Casey. And so we're like, we're okay. And then we go, we like slither out into the backyard and he walks into the pit that is in his backyard and starts trying to catch small frogs. Nope, nope, mm mm-mm. Still shirtless. Mm -hmm. And we said, all right, well, we will certainly be back. We are not fleeing on this Saturday afternoon in August to frantically try to find someplace else to stay in the vicinity, never mind that everything is booked. Uh, We did not go back. (laughs) Goodness, you would have been the next sausage. Yes, yes. You would have been sausage patties. <laughs> I happened to have, we happened to have passed this really weird Catskills resort with a really cool sign. And I said, I mean, we could try there because we had a dog. So everything yeah, was, like, right. our options were very limited. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. So luckily we got a room there and it was fine. Like we had a good time and it was fine. Uh, but the upshot of that story is I loved that weird abandoned Catskills resort so much that that's where I go on my walkabouts when oh, I have to get out right, of the city right. alone. I remember, I thought, I knew you went somewhere. So I, I think in a previous episode, you were, or maybe we were just talking earlier about like summers. And I was like, I always picture you go like up to the, you go up to the Catskills and you, it's like a random, it looks like, yes. it, it looks like camp, right? Like the, the resort yes. looks like camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. And they have that weird haunted house for no real reason yes. that no one goes yes. into. Yeah. So I yes. just go in the middle of the it. week and I'm the only person there <laughs> and dinner and breakfast are included. Oh I'm the God, only person that. at the giant, in the giant dining room oh. and they have a pool and I they sat there and I had like $3 gin and tonics. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. I love it. I love that. I think that upstate is so like, it's very, it feels very haunted. And I think it's because- yes. I think it's because everything is so old. I think it's because there were so many, like so many people died in the Revolutionary War here. And so I think there are lots of ghosts. And then I also think it's because so much got abandoned because it was like the place to go for New York City. Like you drove up to the Catskills and and look, I get it. Like it is very hot in New York right now. It's, It's probably 75 degrees outside. Like I get it. It's ridiculous how cool it is here. But like, so I get it. But then, so all of these towns really got built up and built up and built up and they had the mineral waters and that was a thing for a hot minute. 
And then I feel like they just got abandoned. Like people just never came back one summer. Yeah. And so that's, then you're, then all the locals are like, what happened? And so I just think it's a, it's a very unique part of the country. If anyone is thinking about vacationing. <laughs> I love it. I've I love never it. driven. I love Growing it. up in Texas, even I have never driven on so many dirt roads as I drove <laughs> on to get to Cooperstown, the baseball museum, where yes, I went straight to the league of their own exhibit. And yes, uh. I shed a goddamn tear. We are the members the of the All-American All American team. We come from cities near and far. far. <laughs> we got Canadians. Yes. Uh, anyway, anyway, my scandal today has yes. nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It was just on the mind. I was like, what's going on? Anyway, I need to mind the business. Well, Moving don't on. mind your business. Keep an eye out on the, your neighbors. We've seen Rear Window. We know That's what can happen. Touche. Touche. We've Only learned you that shall lesson. bear witness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't forget the lessons we've learned. Thank you, Alfred. I never will. <laughs> so I discovered this scandal based on a throwaway sentence in a book about another scandal I was researching. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Two for one. That was basically this woman was raised via the child rearing suggestions from John B. Watson. Mm, okay. Uh, someone I've, I've never of heard of. And there okay. was a quote about how he didn't think that you should ever touch your children. <gasps> He's that a, guy, a, right. I remember A that. pat on the head should suffice for a job well <laughs> done, but never embrace them. And I thought, well, I wanna know more about this guy. Casey. Okay. <laughs> For once, I'm going to start at the beginning because I can't be bothered with my fractured chronology this time around. We have to start at the beginning because it's going to okay. build and build and build. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, oh my gosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. J.B. Watson was born in 1878 to a Baptist mother and a former Confederate soldier father, Pickens Butler Watson. Love that. And when they moved from a very rural environment to Greenville, South Carolina, his, I think he's a teenager at this point, his attacks on black citizens were notable even for the era. Oh, he, he personally, personal, he personally attacked them. Yes, uh, oh. he really did not like non-white people. Okay, okay. This will okay. come up later. <laughs> okay. Somehow he got clear. into school. Somehow he got into school. And we see very early on in retrospect that he's very much a climber. And he realizes that academia is a pretty safe space to be a pretty shitty person. So he no. starts studying psychology at University of Chicago. And this is early days of the study of psychology and trying to treat psychology seriously. Right, so yes. It's a little bit like he's getting in on the ground floor of something and is saying big idea stuff that sounds great uh don't look at it too closely right right okay and everyone's like wow these totally untested ideas sound like they could be real he is a genius who's <laughs> going to lead the way in this brand new field uh and what he becomes known for is behaviorism Ooh, okay there we go so he gets his PhD in 1903 at 25, which is okay. 
All right. Fairly young, even for the era, which okay. uh, perhaps coincidentally, perhaps not, is also mm-hmm. the year he has a nervous breakdown. Okay, I might have done it. And maybe. Always love psychologist who has a nervous breakdown. It's great. It's oh great. well, then they really know what they're teaching. You know, <laughs> so teach true. a man how to fish. Am uh-huh. I right? He marries his student, Mary X, who is, I believe, the sister of the vice president, Harold W. X. Okay. I might be making that name up, but she comes from a very powerful political family and, again, was his student. And they eventually have two children, Polly and John. Okay. So J.B. Watson gets into trouble pretty quickly. He makes a name for himself publishing a study on the effect on rats of depriving them of sight and or smell. Okay. And this sets a pattern for his career. He gets roundly criticized by many people and staunchly defended by his peers, which only helps cement his name in this brand new field. And he parlays that scandal into writing articles for National Magazine and parlays writing articles into a research grant. Hmm. Okay. He graduates in 1903. By 1908, he's at Johns Hopkins. And within a few months, he goes from a professor to head of the department when his boss gets caught in a raid on a brothel. Oh, okay. Sure. Racism, totally fine. Brothel, Mm -hmm. fired. (laughs) Well, different times. Different times. (laughs) It doesn't take him too long to invent behaviorism. So basically behaviorism is exactly what it sounds like it is the idea that observable behavior is all that is required to understand the psychology of a person so watson is saying he doesn't care how the mind works he only cares about how people react to external stimuli so that their reactions can be controlled right Mm -hmm. pavlov's pavlov's dogs i'm not yes oh he's obsessed with pavlov yeah yeah so his goal is to make psychology something with action items. <laughs> All you have to do. Okay, got it. And he finds a willing collaborator in testing his theories in the U.S. Army. <gasps> uh oh. Okay. Uh, he, sure. He I'm sure because the, well, the army is like, look, all you, uh, he says, all you have to do is change behavior with certain cues and stimuli. The ar- army's like, sign me up. Don't have to worry about those pesky feelings yes yeah yeah so he strikes a deal with uh he strikes a deal to perform aptitude tests on soldiers going into world war one with the understanding that he would do tests before they go into battle and then reevaluate after they come out of battle which as these things go is a fairly fast track way of proving whether or not behaviorism works. You have enough people. Yeah, for sure. You Go have on. enough people. You're, you have uh, a fairly solid range of stimuli that could happen. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's really seeing how people react to the same external stimuli and what you can glean from that. Got it. Uh, however, He does a bunch of tests on British aviators and then they all die. And he is furious that How he rude. lived through war in Europe for no reason. Oh my gosh. And he's a peach. He's super pissed that the army is integrated. 
Right, of course, yes. And there are black soldiers that he has to interact with. (gasps) They made him test test black soldiers too? Well, I don't know if they made him test test them, but he (sighs) had to be around them and he didn't care for it. And he is so vocal in his disdain at having his experiments ruined by, you know, mass slaughter (laughs) that he is almost court-martialed. Oh my gosh. Ew, that's not, that's not a good look. That's not cute. It's not a good look. Okay. So he's becoming increasingly famous. He parlays this failed study into more contracts. And along the way, he does the thing that kind of makes his name. It's called the Baby Albert Test. And it's become increasingly controversial with every passing decade. Basically, he and his student, Rosalie, taught a baby to be afraid of a rat under the idea that fear is taught. Oh gosh, that seems hard. So they used a human child on that one. Yes, they used a human child. Uh, One of the issues with the experiment that has come to light is the child may have been developmentally damaged, uh, disabled. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Uh, Another issue is they had no control subject. And they only did the sub, they only did the test on the one subject, baby Albert. Well, I mean, number one, thank God. Number two, uh, yeah, that's not a scientific experiment. And also, no. I, please, t- I mean, I, I consent. Did we get, did a mother sign off? Or was this like an orphan child? God forbid. I, I, I assume, but Casey, when I tell you that we haven't even gotten to the actual scandal. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. I'll slow down. Please do, do proceed. Okay, so he's doing some some crazy stuff is what you're telling me. So he's doing some crazy stuff that everyone looks very askance at now. And under the theory that fear can be taught, but you know what else is taught? Morality. Uh, however, J.B. Watson had no qualms about screwing around with his student Rosalie while still married to Mary. Uh, sure, 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 you know. Who was Mary. also his former student, but then she yes, got old. Yes, correct. Okay, I hate when that happens. So Mary knows that J.B. Watson has screwed around before. However, this time she has had it. And so- That's her line. When they, she says, don't cross it. He did. When they are invited to Rosalie's well-connected family's home for a weekend stay, Mary sneaks into her bedroom and steals love letters that he sent her and leverages those into a 1920 divorce, sole <gasps> custody of their kids, and a nice pile of money. Ooh, good job, Mary. Get it. J.B. Watson doesn't see a problem with any of this. He's very upfront about his relationship with Rosalie, which does not go over well. In addition to his divorce, he also is forced to resign from Johns Hopkins. Okay, so racism, fine. Cheating on your wife, you're fired. Got it. And Check. and having an affair with a student. Oh, that's true. That's true. Sure. Yes. Uh, to add insult to injury at the time, Mary leaks his love letters to the press. And then gives a series of interviews that are fascinating to read because she is adamant that she will not speak ill of anyone involved but she says things like 
well, you know, I was pressured to file an alienation of affection suit, but to my mind, it's intolerable to even think about, oh, oh, did you hear that it's Rosalie that he's having the affair with? Well, I was never going to mention her name, but since you already know. <laughs> so she gives this interview where she's like, oh, oh, you found out who it is. Well, all right, I guess I can speak to you for a few moments. Uh, yes, she is uh, my husband's, my ex-husband's student. And she's one of those girls who only digs in her heels when faced with opposition. So when I confronted her to tell her to stop sleeping with my husband, she grew only more determined to keep him. Oh my it's goodness. The most politely vicious interview that you can imagine from 1920. Oh my goodness. That's hysterical. I love it. So now JB is married to Rosalie. Okay. They are having children and he cannot find a teaching gig because he has now had relationships with two students and this divorce was very messy and he did not come out of it looking well. So tell me, what is a straight white man with a background in emotional manipulation to do except invent modern advertising at a salary four times what he'd been making in academia? Oh no, really? That's right. <laughs> JB Watson is the guy who told everyone that the way to sell products is to appeal to a handful of human emotions like fear, anger, and love. Oh, so he wants emotions now? Yeah, he what? wants the external stimuli to- Oh, to trigger emotions. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So <gasps> his, his first big campaign is for Johnson's baby powder, which is a thinly veiled white supremacist pitch that implores mothers to use Johnson baby powder and to keep their children pure and clean. Oh my gosh. And okay. if they didn't use Johnson's baby powder, they exposed children to the risk of infection. <gasps> Ooh, okay. Um, PSA, that is not what baby powder does. Please do not use it as antibacterial. Thank you. But isn't that... I mean, he invented yeah. that kind of manipulation wow. of, oh, well, shit, if I don't use this, then my baby's going to get a disease. Sure. I have to sure. buy this. <gasps> oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. I had no he idea. Also That's started, he also started infusing ads with sex appeal. So there's a sexy lady. Uh, there's a sexy lady in an ad and she's got bobbed hair and stockings and it's an ad for toothpaste. Oh, and she's smoking. <laughs> And it's an ad for toothpaste to cement this brand's status as the favored one for fast women. Ooh, okay. That, so, oh, if you're going to be a bad girl smoking cigarettes, you have to buy this toothpaste because this is what all the what all the flappers are using. Oh, the cool kids toothpaste. Got it. Okay. He repopularizes celebrity endorsements, which had fallen out of favor because so many of the products were snake oil. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he invents the term coffee break for a coffee ad. <gasps> really? To try and get more like during the day coffee drinkers. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Which is hilarious because in addition to inventing behaviorism, in addition to having a messy divorce, in addition to inventing modern advertising, he invented the soul-destroying modern work ethic. 
<gasps> that all you need is a 15, a little coffee break. Yes, because a work. good employee is one who subsumes his life and identity into those of the company. Vacations can wait, those reports cannot. Is that one of his copy, is that a copy line? That's just from one of his texts. Oh my gosh. Like this is how wow. I run a modern workplace. You need employees who identify so strongly with the company that they will self-sacrifice in order to serve the greater needs of their boss. Wow, okay. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then to come back to what led me to him in the first place, his views on child rearing are interesting. <laughs> okay. uh, this is and people are still listening quote. to him about this? We're still listening. Oh, like, yes. Oh, like, he, okay. No one questioned anything that he said during his Okay. Life. Or not in a serious mainstream way. There were plenty right. of naysayers at the time, but for the most part, everyone just thought, well, this guy really, behaviorism is where it is at. Uh -huh. He is a genius. He did, you know, 25. Okay. So this is a direct quote. Never hug and kiss them. Never let them sit on your lap. If you must, kiss them once on the forehead when they say goodnight. Shake hands with them in the morning. Give them a pat on the head if they have made an extraordinarily good job of a difficult task. He also advocated for breastfeeding to be prohibited, mothers prevented from knowing the identity of their children, and that children should be rotated among parents at four-week intervals until they turn what? 20. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wow. Shake, okay. I'm still back on shake their hand in the morning. Oh. Love that. Can you imagine? I mean, oh I'm not gosh. a hugger, so I absolutely no. would have loved that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is insane. Well, that's what, and I, that's to a certain extent, I think what happened with a lot of the kids that came out of the Soviet bloc because they really believed in this. And so these kids had really significant emotional issues and they were, a lot of them like, well, they were raised more in orphanages than like rotated, but the, the Soviet, the communist way of life is certainly wrote like a, takes a group and their living quarters, even if they weren't. So, wow. Well, Casey, wait yes. until I get to the futures for his four children. Oh yeah. So how did his kids, did he follow this? Well, oh, 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 yes, he did. So. But first I, I also have to tell oh, you no. that he advocated for eugenics for fat and ugly women. Well, I mean, I figured we had some eugenics in there somewhere. <laughs> had to be. The outline of religion. And if anyone is not on board with these projected policies, they should be promptly remanded into vast manufacturing and agricultural institutions, escape from which is impossible. Is he Stalin? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so insane. That's, well, to your point, I think you made this point in one of the, or like I an episode that posted recently where you're like, there's literally nothing new in politics. And I'm like, then they did the no. same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're kidding. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And this is in the 1920s. This is 20s, 30s. 30s. Yeah. So he, he didn't retire until 1945. Oh my gosh. Well, just, you know, gotta see the second world war through and then we'll call it a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too many black soldiers for his liking. Ugh. 
Okay. Oh Tuscaloosa? <laughs> no. No. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. So he was full on, com- like full on hardcore Lenin communist. But I can't even give Stalin making, credit. He's making so much money. Oh my gosh. So people are really into it. That makes, that checks out. Yeah. Timeline wise. So he retires in 1945. He dies in 1958. His second wife, Rosalie, the student who caused the scandal, died in 1935. She actually wrote a fairly wistful article. So she was his wife and also his student. And I think to some extent bought into what he was saying. But in this article, she's writing about being the mother of behaviorist children, of children being raised as behaviorists. Yeah. And it's kind of tragic to read because she says, well, of course we do all of these things and we have very rigid feeding schedules and we don't, we don't show affection. I hope that perhaps my children will learn the beauty of art and music and play. Oh. Oh. She dies in 1935. His oldest daughter, Polly, has multiple suicide attempts throughout her life. No, I can, yep, okay. I believe his son, uh, he had two sons with Rosalie, Billy and Jimmy. Billy killed himself. Yeah, okay. Uh, And I believe that Jimmy or his son John, one of them, and maybe both of them, frankly, had severe stomach issues and ulcers throughout his life. And many people have blamed the rigid feeding schedule on his gastrointestinal distress. Huh. Or his gastrointestinal distress on the rigid feeding disorder. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. (gasps) Oh my gosh. So the kids that, so, so you're saying the experiment, the conclusion is that it might not be the best framework to raise healthy functioning adults. Yes. And okay. what I find so fascinating Noted. about this is two things. One, that we've really picked and chosen what to take from this one man. Yeah. So absolutely, oh my God, his child rearing is awful. But you know where he's right? The office thing. Let's, let's keep that. That's a keeper. <laughs> And That's oh so wow, true. his experiments were terrible. His his psycho like all of his tests and uh, research are very questionable. But he really understood how to sell products <laughs> using those same re- that same research and those same theories. So that's we should absolutely we that. terrify we people that. into purchasing things yeah. <laughs> or make everything aspirational so that people feel like they will only be sexy if they wear Axe body spray. Right. <gasps> And if J.P. Watson contributed nothing else terrible, and he contributed plenty of terrible things, I blame him then and now for the prevalence of Axe body spray. <laughs> that is fair. I will, yes, that is, that, that holds. That holds. I will allow that. And uh, that's guilty. And <laughs> oh, my God. The other thing wow, I'm riveted by is all of his theories are so antithetical to how we think of child rearing now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the opposite of 
everything we teach now. Now it's now if you don't breastfeed your child, you're a terrible mother. Like and like marsupial mothers and touch is so so important. And all mm-hmm. of the studies that have been conducted on children, on infants who are in uh, the little tiny boxes, what are they called? Um, oh, the incubators. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. The, I was picturing like baby chickens because that's what I associate <laughs> incubators with. Uh, but so many studies have been done on what being deprived of human contact that early in life does to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, it's true. The, the, yeah, the, the, with, with the preemies, the, the lack of touch is really significant. I think they say for the, and, and they say that too for the, um, for the mothers as well. It's such a, like you don't get any of those because the hormones go both ways, right? So the kid doesn't get the touch yeah. hormones and the mother doesn't get the touch hormones. And now they're both just, it does not go well. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And it's funny that it is very true. You make a really good point about what we keep and what we don't. I mean, now we're like, that's terrible. We know all the studies and we know all this, da, 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 da. but yet you're right. The workplace and advertising, we're just like, we're not going to really do a study on that. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. It's sold more, right? Revenue's up. Okay, great. That's great. <laughs> yes. I mean, the workplace thing, when I realized that that was his push, I was like, oh, fucking course. Of course. <laughs> I bet he would have loved an open plan office too. <laughs> Uh, the open plan. Oh. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He would have said, uh, he would have said instead of uh, quarantine at home, everyone should just quarantine in the office. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He'd be like uh, full shutdown. No one leaves. Roll in the cots. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Oh, hold on one second. I think I have a visitor. Oh, fun. We'll insert the elevator music here. I'm sure we can do that. I'm not sure. Probably can't. Anyway. I do have a I wasn't sure if we could edit. Murdered. I wasn't sure if we could edit. Yes, I can edit. I just don't like to. Okay. Uh, there are some podcasts that are like so elevator music, elevator music. Yeah. Um and Mia just came over. Oh, hi Mia. Um, Wait, do we need to wrap it up? Only if you're ready. I mean, we're kind of, is there anything else you wanted to share? No, that was it. Oh, okay. I'm not sure Um, if we need to wrap it up, but just in case. um, Well, just in case. So that that is the story of John B. Watson and his many, many faults, along with a truly scandalous 1920 divorce. Oh my gosh. Fascinating. I'm going to think of that now each time I buy something or I see an advertisement. And if say someone says I need to come back to the office, I'm going to say, I don't subscribe to J.B. Watson's thoughts about working. So, or anything, you should just say everything. Yeah, just anything. I, I so should go I, with anything. That's a full, yeah. full stop. Yeah. I don't follow J.B. Uh, Watson's teachings. Thank you. But if we take anything from this, it's the brilliance of his wife saying, Oh, well, of course, I would never bring an alienation of affection suit. Yes. I would never do that to poor Rosalie. Right. 
Oh, I love it. I think Mary's Mary is the takeaway from this. We need to really just read yeah. Mary's um, the transcript of Mary's interview, and that should be the legacy of Mary Watson. And we should forget about her terrible, terrible husband. Oh my God, yes. But I'm gonna keep a coffee break. That's the one thing I will keep. Okay, okay. That's cute. Yeah. It's cute. It's, it's catchy. Yeah. It's catchy. But I only <laughs> drink High Point. It's decaffeinated. Oh, that's right. That's right. In the back of a limousine, I'm sure. Yes, and the flavor is marvelous. 